minutes and please also turn with me to 2 Corinthians. Second Corinthians 9. Okay. Okay, last Sunday night, Gabriel preached on anxiety and he tied it to our attitudes to money. And in our evening services uh, over the last few months, I've been preaching through the letter of James, as I said earlier on, the letter of James, where frequently we are challenged on the same thing, our attitudes to money. Well, this morning, what we're going to try and do is to try and bring all this together, you know, to try and sort of bring all of this to a head and consider our financial giving to the church. Our financial giving to the church. Now, I had thought that at the start of the sermon, I might sort of say that this is an incredibly difficult thing for a guy to stand up and preach on that... That like somehow uh, I am back once again in, in Jerry Maguire. This keeps happening to me. That we keep mentioning Jeremy, Je, Jeremy Maguire. Jeremy, Jerry, Jerry Maguire, that's it. And I'm sort of standing up in the front of the church shouting out, show me the money. Well, I'm not going to say that. And I'll tell you why. See, the... The more we explore what God has to say to us about financial giving in Scripture, the more we see that this is actually a marvellous thing. Because even with this, even with biblical giving, we see the gospel. Even this topic... God shows us the cross. And I hope that we will this morning see the, the, the marvelous grace of God in Jesus Christ. That's the hope. But of course, I think I need to clarify something before, just as we begin here, because I need to say that this is not a message for people here in this room who are not Christians. If you're here this morning and, uh, you know, maybe you're a person who's just interested in Christianity. Maybe you're a person who has been dragged along by your friends and dragged along kicking and screaming to church. Maybe that's you. Maybe you're the person who's not yet professed faith in Jesus Christ. Well, if that's you, please don't think that what follows in this sermon is some sort of, I don't know, ecclesiastical guilt trip. To try and get you to uh, open your wallets. Because I tell you, it's not that. This is a message for the people of God. It is. And so, I would say to the, to the unconverted person in here this morning. We pray this morning. Not for your cash. We pray for your eternal 
salvation. Okay, so the plan is to look at second, to base ourselves, I guess, in Second Corinthians chapter 9. But what we'll do, just because of the nature of what we're talking about this morning, what we'll do is we'll be picking out bits and pieces and other verses and chapters from elsewhere in Scripture. And what we'll do is we'll have three questions that we'll try and answer together this morning. Okay, three questions about financial giving. Okay, so let's make a start. And let's consider the first of those questions very simply. Who should we, as the people of God, be giving to? You see the essence of the question, don't you? You know, if, if the Bible expects us to be giving financially, which should we be giving? Who should we be giving our money to? And I think for this, we've really got to to think about the background to the portion of Scripture, the verses that we read earlier on in Second Corinthians. So, what's going on there? In those verses we read, what's happening? What's going on in Second Corinthians 8 and 9? Okay, well these chapters, 8 and 9, are what somebody before me very helpfully called a self-contained unit in the midst of this letter. You see, in these chapters, Paul is addressing just one issue. Okay, and he's addressing the issue of what he calls the collection. Okay, the the collection for uh, the people of Jerusalem. What was that? Well, this is where... Uh, the Apostle Paul, as he's travelling around in his missionary journeys, this is where he would collect money from churches for the people back in Jerusalem, okay? So you've got to imagine it. This is Paul travelling to Macedonia and gathering money there. Then he's, you know, he's in Asia and he's in Galatia and he's doing the same thing. He's, He's gathering money for this collection. And what you and I read earlier on... It's where Paul is encouraging the people in the church in Corinth to do exactly the same thing. And when we take this self-contained unit, chapters 8 and 9, and we put it alongside the rest of scriptural teaching, see, we see a few things, we see a few priorities that can help us to answer that question that I mentioned a minute ago, that question of who is it that we should be given to? So let's consider what those, those priorities are. So you ready for them? Firstly, as the people of God, we should give financially to the poor. We should give financially to the poor. You see that from Second Corinthians, don't you? You see, this offering that Paul's gathering up amongst the churches, it was for the impoverished people of Jerusalem, wasn't it? See, Paul's not going from church to church and trying to get cash together for his mates back, back home in Jerusalem. That's not what he's doing. 
And it's not a collection for the believers in Jerusalem because they had a special status because they were back in the holy city or anything like that. This collection of money is all about relieving the suffering of the poor, the poor people. And that's something we see elsewhere in scripture. In fact, to be honest, friend, we see that all through scripture. We see the need for the people of God to alleviate the suffering of the poor from the beginning to the end of the Bible. Now, why do we see that so frequently? Because it mirrors the attitude that God has to the plight of the impoverished. Now, what do we think about, think about that this morning? What do you think about that? The plight of the poor. You know, do you think, okay, that's fine and that's what scripture says, but this was a long time ago, you know. Andy, things have changed quite a lot. Do you think that we should leave this stuff to the state? Do you think that our government is so incredibly proficient that now that we've paid our taxes, that as Christians we can just take a back seat, we can chill out, we can spend the money that we've got, that extra money on ourselves? Is that what you think? Are you kidding me? chance. You see, all around London today, people are battling poverty. And I think, to be honest, if we cared enough to look, if we looked around, we would see that there are many people in our own congregation that are in that same sucking boat. So we're to give. And the Bible says... We are to give to the poor. Or to give to the poor. Okay. A further priority. Um, perhaps maybe a bit more controversial. The people of God are to give to the work of their own congregation. Okay? The people of God are to give to the local church. So the poor... Give to the poor, then the people of God give to the local church. And I think, in some ways, we even see that again from 2 Corinthians chapter 9, don't we? Just think about that collection again. You know, this wasn't just a sort of general sort of gathering in of money from Paul for the people of Jerusalem, was it? It wasn't as general as that. What was it? It was a collection of money. For the believers in Jerusalem. This collection that we're talking about, it was a work within the church. And we see um, another very clear example of this in, uh, in First, uh, First Timothy 5. And again, this is where I really run the risk of sounding like, uh, uh, who was it, Tom Cruise or... Uh, Cuba Gooding Jr. or whoever these guys were because you see they are in 1st Timothy we learn that those who teach in the congregation are to be paid for by 
the congregation. And I assure you that is not my sort of, uh, my plug for a pay rise or anything like that. And I'm not sort of saying, show me the money. Uh, Instead, it's more serious than that. You know, instead it's the reality that LCPC and us in here, we do have some very, very serious financial responsibilities as a congregation. And, you know, if, if we want to continue this work in London, we have to pay for things. You know, we have to pay for a minister. Uh, we have to pay for a building smack bang in the heart of the city of London. We've got to pay for denominational administration. We've got to pay for outreach work. We've got to pay for evangelism work. The list goes on and it goes on and it goes on. In Scripture, please hear this, in Scripture, a clear priority of our giving must be the work of our own congregation, the local church. Okay, third strand. What have we seen? We've seen... Give to the poor, give to the local church. Third strand. We should give to external Christian work. I know that's probably not a great term, but I'm not sure that I could come up with a better term than that. We should give to external Christian work. What does it mean? Again, consider this collection that Paul's got going on here. What have we got here with this collection? We've got churches in Asia here giving money to church work in Israel. We have got believers, the people of God in Macedonia, giving to church work in Jerusalem. Do you see the point? Do you see that it's anything but parochial this, isn't it? You know, this collection that Paul's got is anything but sort of insular. Because these group of Christians in 2 Corinthians, they are giving to work in other parts of the globe. And we see that elsewhere in Scripture too. Because like Paul, Paul writes frequently to the church in Corinth. This is what we call 2 Corinthians. But in 1 Corinthians... Paul says something else. He, 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 urges, he urges support, yes, for, for Christian work. He does that. But you know, in particular, he urges our support for new work. He urges financial material support for pioneering Christian work. For church planting work. Folks, I hope that you see that we in the city of London are in a sort of very privileged or have a a great privilege and a great opportunity as Christians. We're in a great place as Christians. You see, in sort of a, 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 a global scale, we are very, very wealthy people. And we've got this opportunity to materially support other Christian work. You know, we could support, remember the the work of Govan, that church plant that we've been talking about over the last month? We can support that. We can support the work of Marcelie Campbell in Uganda. We can support the 
the work of Adam in the Middle East. What opportunities these are. You see, we talked two weeks ago about having, or the importance of having an international missionary focus, that it is so crucial. Well, guess what? We've got to back that up and back it up materially. We're to give to the poor. We're to give to our local church. But we are also to give to external Christian work. Okay. Right. We've seen who, something of who we should give to. What about a second question? The second question is, how should we, as the people of God, give? How should we do it? So what should our approach be to all of this, to financial giving? Now, I don't know if you have a recurring nightmare. Anyone here got recurring nightmares? Have you got a recurring nightmare or a sort of major fear in your life? Well, I do. And uh, my fear is playing paintball. Playing paintball. You know that sort of that situation of being sort of stuck out in the open when you're playing paintball and you've got a group of opponents around you uh, firing those incredibly sore and painful shots in your general direction. That scares me. Well, I sort of... Confess that in the second point you might feel a wee bit like that because here we've just got a number of bullet points to, to, to consider about how we should give, and there's a few of them just to get through in you know just rapid succession. So if you're ready, let's think about these these bullet points. Let's think about four bullet points, four guidelines for how we should go about giving as Christians. First one, we should give secretly. We should give secretly. She's very simple and straightforward in scripture. Jesus says this in Matthew 6, he says, when you give, give, when you give to the needy, so it's assumed, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. So, when we give, we should keep the matter of our financial offering to ourselves. You know, we shouldn't make a huge big song and dance about our giving. Not a bit of it. We should not even hint at how or how much we give. So the first one is we give secretly. Second bullet point, second guideline. We should give deliberately. Okay? We should give deliberately. No? That sounds a bit weird. So, so what does that mean? Well, if we look at this text in Second Corinthians, I think we see something. We see that Paul encourages believers. What does he say? He, he says to give according to what they had decided to give, decided to give in their hearts. Do you see what he's saying? He's saying that 
our financial offerings are to be sort of planned out and deliberate. You know, when we give to the work of the church, that's to be thoughtful and thought out and, and just a sort of impulsive thing. Now, why is that? Well, it's not just a sort of practical thing. It's not just that if you sort of thoughtfully set up a direct debit that is going to help our treasurer out or help the sort of church leadership with their planning for, for, the, for, for the year ahead. It's not just a practical thing. No, there's more to it than that. You see, think about this. If you plan out your giving, that becomes a most liberating experience. You see, you know, if we just sort of go day by day, you know, week by week, sort of giving money to the church in a sort of erratic, ill thought out way, then every time that we spend money on anything else, there's always going to be that sort of little voice, isn't there? There's going to be that little voice saying, ah, well, you could buy that, but you could also put that money into the church. But if we plan things out, you know, if we're organized, if we sort out in advance our giving to the church, and I tell you this, it will be a freeing experience. It really will be liberating. We should give secretly, we should give deliberately. And a third one is generously. Okay? This is a tough one. We should give generously. Okay. Right. There's a couple of what I'll call schoolboy errors that we make when we're sort of discussing in churches about financial giving. There's a couple of kind of elementary mistakes we make about this topic. First thing we can think of this stuff as a command. And I tell you right here and now that this is not a command. You know, it's there's no compulsion here for the believer to give. You know, when I'm going through this, it's not like I can go to an order that Jesus gives or a command that Paul gives to, you must give this. There's no compulsion. There's an expectation, certainly. Come on, people. There's an expectation. But there's not a command. And the other mistake involves a word I'm sure you've heard. Tithing. You heard that word? Now for some reason, perhaps maybe because we don't talk about this very much in churches, giving, but for some reason we are still banging on about tithing. We still talk about tithing. Uh, Can I say to you, can we please put that just to the side for a moment? We'll shelve the idea of tithing just for a moment. Because you see, in the New Testament, under the terms of the New Covenant, there isn't a sort of special amount that we should give, you know? There isn't that sort of uh, magical, supernatural percentage that the people of God should be giving. 
No, instead when we give, there's just an expectation that we give and give generously. Because you see, you and I are now on the other side of the cross, aren't we? We're on the other side of the cross. And if the Old Testament believers, if they gave a tenth of what they had, now that we see so clearly what God has done for us, how much more lavishly should we give to his work? I'm going to tell you, that's the point of the portion of scripture that we read. See in Corinthians 8 and 9, Paul's not writing just to say to these Corinthians, come on guys, give. He's saying give, but give generously. Look, verse 6, what does it say? Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. So can we stop making elementary mistakes about this? This is not a command. It is not a command. But there's this expectation that because of what Christ has done and because everything you have belongs ultimately to God, you will give and you will give generously. So secretly and deliberately and generously. And the last one of these bullet points is definitely the hardest one. Because the last one is that we should give as the people of God and we should give joyfully. Now, when you see, when you check your bank balance and you're online and you see that lump of cash going out from your savings or your, yeah, your savings into the church, is your overriding emotion one of delight and joy, I wonder? Well, certainly that's what Paul expects. He says in verse 7, well, he dismisses what he calls reluctant giving. And instead he shows that God loves a cheerful giver. And we don't naturally put those two words together, do we? A cheerful giver. But what he's saying is that our giving should be without second thoughts, but with joy. Without second thoughts, but with joy. And friends, that is one of the crucial things that we've got to take out of today. That joy is so important in our giving. And it is important because it shows other people the peace that we have in Jesus. You know, we can give money. Because ultimately our contentment is not in that money. Our contentment is in Christ. You know, we can give to the work of God because ultimately our security isn't in the cash. Ultimately our security is in our Savior. We should spend less time examining our bank balance And much more time examining our souls. So we give, we give secretly, we give deliberately, 
we give generously, but we give and we give with the joy of Jesus Christ in our hearts. So we've seen who we should give to, and we have seen something of how we should go about doing that. And I said we've got three questions. We do, but it's a very, very short thing at the end here. Our third question is just to consider this. What happens when we give? What happens when you and I give as we should? I just want to mention two wonderful results of our financial giving. Firstly, when we give, we receive blessing. That's what it says here, we receive blessing. Now you could say to me, but, but Andy, that sounds crazy talk. That sounds counterintuitive, doesn't it? It sounds upside down. That when we give something, that is actually us that receives. But that's, that's what we're told here. What, what is it we receive when we give? Well, it's not as uh, the sort of shiny suited, um, smooth, tele evangelist, uh, prosperity gospel spouting dudes would have you believe. You know, it's not that if you give money to the church, then God is going to reward you with a nice donkey new Ferrari or a cracking uh, job promotion or anything like that. No. Although there is an element that if we give appropriately, God will ensure that we've got enough to give again. What we're talking about here is a spiritual reward. A spiritual reward, you know. Verse 10 speaks of a harvest of righteousness that's going to come to you and I. A harvest of righteousness. Verse 11 says that we are going to be made rich. You see that language there? That comes from two places. It comes from Isaiah 55 and Hosea 10. And in both of those passages, the message is the same thing. That God will act through his word, get this, to save people. Now do you see what's been said in 2 Corinthians? Do you see what Paul is saying? He's saying if we give appropriately to God, he is going to reward us spiritually. How is he going to do that? He is going to multiply us. Do you see the message here? Our financial giving will lead to the salvation of the lost. Now that's quite a thought. But we ain't just... This is the final thing. The second thing about what happens when we give. Please hear this. When we give, God's name will be praised. God's name will be praised. Now when you read 2 Corinthians 9, that portion very carefully, you see that that is the resounding note of the last few verses there. That if we use our money correctly, not only are we going to help poor people, not only are we going to try and 
expand the cause of Christ, but God's very name is going to be on Verse 11 and verse 12, our giving leads to thanksgiving. Verse 13, our giving leads to praise. You see, in 1 Corinthians, we read that whatever we do, whether we eat or we drink, whatever we do, should be done to the glory of God. And we see here that if you and I, as his people, delight in giving, then that's what will happen. God's name will be lifted up, it will be praised, and it will be magnified. What more motivation do we need to give than that? And that takes us right back to the beginning of the sermon. Because remember I said this wasn't a dreadful thing for a guy to stand up and preach on. This topic is actually a marvellous topic. Now how can I say that? Why is biblical giving so wonderful? Well it's because of how Paul ends this section. You see in the very last verse he says this. He says, thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. Friends, the people of God should give because of what has been given for us. We should give because God so loved the world that he gave. His one and only Son. Our giving should be in light of the sacrificial and lavish giving of God. And so I end just by again addressing you. If you're not a Christian this morning. I finished just now by just addressing the unconverted person in this room just now. Can I say to you... Not a word of this, honestly, not a breath of this is about us trying to get your dough. It's not about cash. Now what I pray you see this morning is the mercy of God. You see, God loves you. He loves you. And because of that, he gave that which was most precious to himself so that here, this morning, you might believe in Jesus Christ. So that this morning, you might be saved from your sin. I really, really, really hope you see that. I hope you see the glorious grace of a giving God. Let's pray.